0: and greetings, presenting the Network of Awareness podcast radio station, providing in-depth information on society and culture in America and abroad, bringing you truth messages of inspiration, keen insight, reputable interviews, and so much more. So now, for the truth you've been waiting for, your host of the Network of Awareness podcast. Aura. Aura The informationalist information. The informationalist
1: The information.
2: Network of awareness Makes your brain coherent One of the fastest growing podcasts You can hear it 24-7 you Got listeners out in London Information a list in Paris Echoes spreading out no parrot Just dissect, digest, and share it The righteous rhymes hit the spirit Click 90 times, it won't perish Cause you y'all's the mind ain't no fairy Tell like the belly our parents It's time to rise, don't get wary. United minds, it's apparent Download every single errand But most ain't fit to catch it Even if they were Larry Interviews, the interludes they enter you, taking you on a journey like no other It places you in a state of awareness It's your fault if you hate the truth Cause y'all would be always on this way, my brother Better change your views All three, yeah
3: To the Network of Awareness, this is Aura, the information list. and I have a really great guest with me today, by the name of Rich Lewis, who is um, a person who is going to really, really go deep into something that we appreciate here at the Network of Awareness, which is spirituality, and. Rich is someone who's helping people to become their true selves, and I'm going to have him introduce himself in just a moment, but he's an author, okay, and Rich is also a speaker and a coach who focuses on censoring prayer as a means of inner transformation, and he teaches censoring prayers in both his local and virtual community, and he offers one-on-one coaching. And Rich's newest book, which we're going to talk about, um, is called Sitting With God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. So now let me give him a welcome and say welcome to the show, Rich Lewis. And let me take you off of mute here. How you doing, sir? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. I
4: really appreciate it. I love the, the music in the beginning of... It got me ready to
3: get on here and, and have some fun with you. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem. You're very welcome, sir. And uh, yeah, that's all original music here on the Network of Awareness because we're also a radio. Oh okay. Uh, we're a radio podcast show, so we play independent music for the people all across the planet. And um, you know, something that we focus here, we this is a society and culture podcast, but something I focus on a lot. Uh, Because it's a very, very uh, important part of my life, if not the most important part of my life, is my spiritual belief system and how I operate with it. And when I came across your information, I I just thought it was great because I wanted to learn more about this because there's aspects of what you teach that I already practice. And I'm like, hey, this is going to not just be a great show for my listeners, but for myself as well. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
4: Sure, sure. Um, I guess I have a uh, site called silenceteaches.com and we we'll, and we'll get into more of this but uh, I'm sure as we continue to talk it really focuses on centering prayer which which is a which is a form of meditation. It's considered two things, meditation and a relationship with God and we're opening to, during centering prayer we open to the presence and actions of God within and connect with our true self and then, and then live from our true self on a daily basis. And, and our true self really is not an end point, but a, but a journey. Um, and your true self can change on a daily basis. And maybe your true self one day is one thing. And then on another day, it's, it, it, it's because of the present moment. And what it requires is another thing. So my site really focuses on centering prayer, what it is, you know, how, how you do it, uh, and helping people with that. As well as um, offering one-on-one coaching or speaking to groups to talk more about Centering Prayer and how it can help them, how it can heal them, how it can transform them. So I've, I've been at it. I've been practicing Centering Prayer since 2014. And my site is, is up and running in about uh, for about five years now.
3: So let's. I always like to start from the beginning of a person's journey. So as a child, what, uh, were you uh, raised in any particular religion?
4: I was not. So actually my mother passed away when I was uh, three. So if she had not, I probably would have been raised Roman Catholic because that's what she was. Um, But she passed away. And then I think my father just stopped going to church. So initially, no, we were not raised in in any background. And then my father remarried about a year and a half after my mother had passed. And I, I think when I was in junior high, slightly before junior high, so probably 11 and 12 years old, we went to a Unitarian church, um, which was pretty liberal. um, And I don't remember a whole lot about it. We went there for probably a year or two years. The only thing I remember is I had to go upstairs where the kids were, and we talked about all kinds of different topics, but it wasn't necessarily spiritual that I remember. I think I remember just liking the place because I could get donuts and soda afterwards. So, So no, I was really not raised in anything. So I guess I began exploring, I guess I had a friend that went to, when I was in high school, some of my friends went to a local youth group on Thursday nights. So this would have been in high school. I was in 10th grade, I believe is when it started. Some of my friends went to a local youth group on Thursday nights backed by a Baptist church. So they asked me to come along. So I went. And, and it was fun. So I I began going to the, it was called his house was the name. I still remember the name. So I started going to his house on Thursday nights. I think it was about 90 minutes. And there, um, they began talk there. They began talking about God and, and the Bible, and they, they would have some kind of lessons. But they also would have a lot of fun and, and skits, and then do fun things afterwards. So it, it be so that was that was kind of my venture into the Bible and, and, and the spiritual world started then, um, and then I went off to uh, University of Pittsburgh. For in in well, I graduated in eighty eight, so it would have been in eighty four. Eighty four, I went to University of Pittsburgh. And probably kind of took a sabbatical or break from really the spiritual world, I'll call it. And then when I graduated, I was living at home temporarily until I could get myself more established. And at that time, my father and my, I call her my mom. He At that point, they married a number of years. And I, I guess she was, got married when I was only four or so. So I just called her mom. They were going to the United Church of Christ. And they asked me to come along. And I went with them. And I ended up spending 20 years at that church. So I ended up, I don't know if you're familiar with kind of a, I guess it's Protestant non-denominational church called the United Church of Christ. So I spent, I'm in between churches now, but I spent about 20 years at the United Church of Christ and, and really enjoyed that experience, enjoyed the pastor, enjoyed the people there. So that's a little bit of my upbringing is nothing initially, Probably Roman Catholic, if my mother hadn't passed away. A um, little bit of Unitarian, and then a little bit of exposure to the Bible, and, and probably more of the Baptist way of doing things while in high school with the youth group, and then the United Church of United Church of Christ when I got married and, and joined the church and got married in that church.
3: Okay, and how long you been married for? Since
4: 1993, so I guess that's uh, 20 almost 29 years. This oh, May that's it'll great. be
3: 20, 29 years. Yeah, congratulations on you know having a long-term marriage. That's not something you hear a lot these days. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's a, I, I love my wife. We're we're together.
4: We we make our we're whole. We make ourselves whole. We're we're better because of each other.
3: And I'm pretty sure that um, your spiritual foundation is the foundation of your marriage, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. My, my yeah. wife is, is kind of a, a rock in faith, even though she doesn't practice
4: centering prayer, but she has very powerful, strong faith and trust in, in God and that everything will be OK. That's just trust and keep moving forward.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that uh, most marriages, if not all, always survive and thrive if they have that uh, most high creator God uh, foundation in their marriage as the centerpiece that keeps everything together. So that's great to hear. So Thanks. Thanks. No, I agree. Let's talk about who is your true self? What is that? Who is your true self? Sure. Your your true self is the person
4: God wants you to be or, or whatever you call God. Some people call God higher power or infinite wisdom, but your true self is the person God wants you to be. And I connect to my true self through centering prayer. So should I take a quick minute to explain how you do centering prayer? And then that'll kind of explain, I guess, how I
3: determine yeah. my true self. Yeah, let's, so, let's, uh, let's go through the process.
4: Sure. So centering, and I'll give a quick history too, because many people probably don't even know what, what, is, what is this centering prayer. So centering prayer has been around since the early 1970s. So it's about 50 years old. It was actually created by three Trappist monks. So three Catholic priests at that time saw that there was a transcendental meditation and other forms of meditation happening, and they wanted something for their, their community and for the Christian community. So one of, one of the, the monk's Father William Manager was reading a book, I think it's a 12th century classic called The Cloud of Unknowing. And as he read this book, kind of a method of silent, wordless prayer popped out at him um, as he read it. And then, and I'll explain what it is in a second. And then about 10 years later, the Contemplative Outreach Organization was created, which is really the main centering prayer organization. And if you, if you go to that website, contemplativeoutreach.org, you'll see all kinds of information on Centering Prayer. You can find different groups that practice in all the states in the U.S. as well as internationally. You can find different groups that practice um, overseas it, now, pre-COVID, people were practicing in buildings and particular either churches or, or locations. Now, many of them have moved to Zoom. So it almost doesn't matter where you go. You could find a group. You can, you practice centering and prayer on your own, but you can practice it with a group. So you could join a group almost anywhere, um, even internationally, if you speak their language, obviously. <laughs> but um, So that's kind of a little bit about centering prayer. And what it is, is it's considered two things, um, meditation, silent, wordless meditation, and a relationship with God. Because during centering prayer, you're opening to the presence and actions of God within during during your silent sit. And how you do it is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed. And then to begin your centering prayer sit, interiorly, you introduce what we call a sacred word of one or two syllables it could be God, love, ocean, Jesus. And that signifies you're beginning your sit and you're opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then as you're sitting there, if, when you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is when you begin thinking about all the things you did before your sit, or you begin planning and plotting what you're going to do after your sit, the errors you're going to run, uh, do after your sit, you realize you're now sitting with yourself. You're not sitting with God. You're not sitting with the present moment. You reintroduce that sacred word interiorly to come back to the present moment and let go of your engaged thoughts. And then you also let go of that sacred word. And you do that when needed, whenever you engage your thoughts. So it's not used as a mantra. And there are practices that are, they have mantras that you're repeating over and over again in centering prayer. It's not used as a mantra. It's just used to come back to the present moment. So that's really how you do it. And, and you do it for... Um, you use that sacred word during your sit when needed, whether you're sitting five minutes or 10 minutes or or 20 minutes. So that's at a high level. That's really what centering prayer is and just a little bit about the history and how long how long it's been around.
3: No, That's great. So sounds like centering prayer is like how I utilize prayer, where it's like you could do it anywhere you're at. It doesn't matter. right? Right. Right. For the most part. Right. Oh, and I guess I did. so your true self, So, if you think about
4: it, you're connecting to your true self because you're letting go of who you are not. You're letting go of all your thoughts and planning and plotting and and and, and letting go of all of that, and which includes many things that you tell yourself that aren't true. I'm, I'm too young to try that or I'm too old to try that or I don't have the right experience or I must be crazy to think I could do that. You're letting go of all that stuff and connecting with your true self, who you are, what you're intended to do, what you're intended to be. Um, and you, you end up taking that gesture of letting go with you. It kind of it comes with you outside of your practice. You'll learn to let go of what isn't helping you and, and, and what it doesn't isn't required of you during that moment. So you can hone in and focus on what is in the present moment. So that's really what happens is you're letting go and connecting to your true self. Even though it might scare you and it's out of your comfort zone, those are the that's who you are. That those are the actions you should take. Those are the things you should do, um, and, and you begin to kind of know who they are as you practice centering prayer. It kind of opens up to you the things you know you should be doing and, and what you should be letting go of and what you should be honing in and focusing on. Is is what I've noticed as I've been practicing centering prayer.
3: So it's very similar to like the battle between the ego and the spirit and. When you're connecting to your truer, higher self, you're letting go of those egoic thoughts and those preoccupying thoughts that that flood the mind, and you're basically going into a meditative state to connect to that, where you're you're connecting to your pineal gland, so you can have that that experience of uh, trans, uh, trans, or, or ascension, or transcendence, or transformation. To the to the spirit realm, so it sounds like a lot of what I do. Okay, um, but sometimes I do talk, so I do a little bit of both. Oh, okay. But a lot of uh, a lot of my listeners, you know, they they refer to um, what people refer to God as His Hebrew name in the Scriptures as Yah- Yahweh Elohim. Okay. Some people refer to Him as the Most High and my particular take on that is that as long as you are connecting that's the most important thing agree
4: okay. agree i don't i don't think and i don't think he she spirit is offended by what what we're calling it we're we're just connecting to the, this higher power yeah. like yeah. whatever you want to call it I don't, I don't think he i don't think he or she minds as long as you're sitting with
3: it spirit and connecting uh, yeah I, I agree and then also connect just connecting to the universe right because uh, one thing Which, I say right. is is when we pass on, we, we're we going to find out what is and what isn't <laughs> uh, once we go right out of these uh, bodies. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about why did you write Sitting With God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer? What Why did that book even come about? What was the inspiration behind it and the circumstances that led you to bringing that into fruition?
4: Sure. So I had discovered Centering Prayer. I was actually looking for a book to read in late 2013, in the fourth quarter, looking for a book to read, cruising Amazon, and discovered a book which piqued my attention called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots by a gentleman by the name of Amos Smith. So I began reading that book, and in it, he talked about a practice called Centering Prayer that he had been doing in the silence. And that immediately intrigued me because I I knew I was looking for something, I just didn't know what it was. So I began dabbling in Centering Prayer in late 2013. And I reached out to him on his website, and we began a back and forth email dialogue. And then we've we've become friends, actually, we we talk about once a month, I actually just spoke to him two days ago on the phone. but I began learning more about Centering Prayer, reading other books in Centering Prayer, or just having conversations with him since he had been practicing it. He had 15 years of practice ahead of me. And we became friends and I began actually working with him off of his website before I created my website. So about seven, six, seven months in, he challenged me to write a book. He, he, he said, you know, my book is more academic. you you really that you've taken to this it resonates with you and and you have your own way of thinking and i think you need to write a book so he he actually encouraged me to write a book it wasn't even on my radar screen um at the time so I, i he just said why don't you take two weeks think about what what is centering prayer what what does it mean to you so i wrote single sentence statements about it shot him back a note and then he said there's your chapters go write well, I I thought he was crazy at the time because I'd never written anything probably more than five or six pages. I I didn't have to do a lot of writing in high school and and even in college. So, but I just wrote one chapter. I picked one of the sentences, wrote a chapter and figured I'd email it to him and see what he even thought because he had published that book and I knew he was in the middle of writing a second book. And I figured, let him read it and then react and then I would know whether what he thinks or if, or if he would have thought I, I should never even made this recommendation to Rich. But to my surprise, he came back with it. There's something here. It's fresh. I'm interested in, in learning more of what else you have to say. So at that point, I realized maybe I should try to write a book. So I spoke to my wife and said, what do you what do you think of the idea of me writing a book? And my wife, we, I guess we both always support each other in different things we want to do. And she said, do it. So I, I didn't want to take time away from her and, and, and the kids. I had three kids at the time. They're older now. But um, so I decided to, to write the book on Saturday mornings. Um, I actually disciplined myself to get up and be at the local Starbucks by 6 a.m. because they open pretty early, get a cup of coffee, open up a laptop and and begin typing the book. So the book got written mostly on Saturdays from about 6 a.m. to to 9 or 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings at the local Starbucks. This is all pre-COVID, and that's really how the book got written. So uh, it was Amos's fault, but I'm glad he did. I'm, he, so someone else nudged me to do it, and, and I've noticed that in, in a lot of things I'm, I've, I'm now doing, someone sort of nudged me or said, you need to try this, and all of a sudden I, I did, and, and I'm off doing it. <laughs> but that's how the book... Um, that's how the book got burst in me. I'll say,
3: <laughs> yeah, and everything um, happens for a reason, right?
4: Exactly. And exactly. It's something
3: that compelled uh, your friend to to nudge you in that direction, and that's how that's how things happen. Everything from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, it all serves a purpose. I was interviewing um, Robert Riopelle, who was my very first interview, and there was a statement that he made. And he said that, you know, he goes, do you know the other half of that statement? Because it's one of my favorite statements. Everything happens for a reason. So he goes, you know what the other half is? And I said, no. He said, well, that reason's there to serve you. And um, it just has blown my mind ever since I've heard that. And it, it, you know, when I hear stories like yours, it further confirms how true that is. Because writing this book, I'm assuming served it has served you very well on your journey and on your path to getting closer to to God for you, right? I mean, it has because um, most of the book,
4: you know, I didn't know, I knew what the chapter, I knew the chapter and what it would probably, you know, what the chapter would be about. But it was really a spiritual journey as I, as I wrote on Saturday mornings at Starbucks and, and just let the words flow out of my heart onto the pages Uh, You know, on the typewriter and obviously eventually into the pages of the book. So most of the book was really just my own heart journey on Saturday mornings of what what, what have I learned and what do I need to share? So it it was a fun spiritual practice. Um, two of the chapters involved a little bit more research. Where I, one of them, I talked about the historical Jesus and what what do the scholars what can they tell us about him? And 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 then I had to so that I did some research and, and listened to some podcasts, read some books, and, and then had to make my own decisions. What do I think is important to put it put in this chapter? But other than that, most of the book was kind of a neat spiritual journey on, on Saturday mornings. But even that was a spiritual journey of even though after listening and learning about Jesus, what, what do I think is important from my heart that I need to share with people in that
3: chapter? Absolutely. And um, when it comes to um, centering prayer, uh, how, how much do you practice that on a you know, day-to-day basis or on a weekly basis? Can you give the listeners an idea uh, of how often you should practice censoring prayer if somebody chooses to do so?
4: Sure, sure. So I, I, I practice twice a day um, for, for almost for, – I try to do two sits of 20 minutes. And then I'll talk about someone new to Centering Prayer and what I would recommend. So I'm I'm at the point now where I'm practicing twice a day. So my first sit is, that's the first thing I do when I get up every day, whether it's a weekday or the weekend. The first thing I do before I I begin my day is is a 20-minute Centering Prayer sit, and then I... Get up and resume my day, and then I, my second sit is usually before lunch, and I, I generally eat a later lunch. So usually around one o'clock in the afternoon, I do a second sit of, of twenty minutes, and then resume my day. But what I tell people that are new to centering prayer, you know, is make it the first thing you do, but also take baby steps. So if the idea of sitting in silence for twenty minutes seems daunting, and, and it probably would. Do it for one to five minutes and make it the first thing you do and see how that goes. And then and try it for at least 30 days. And if it's something that seems to resonate with you, increase the times up to 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And then, it, then once you have that down, add a second sit at some point during the day and put it, put your sit where it best belongs for you and increase that. You know, Start slow if you need to and work that time up as well. So take baby steps with your sits, and and then most importantly, just put them where they best belong. If if you if the morning and and lunchtime one doesn't work for you, then just look at your life and put it where where it belongs.
3: And what is it that you gain from centering prayer? Like, what are the fruits of of centering prayer that that you gain? Sure. So uh,
4: set, uh, as a centering prayer practitioner, I, mean, I, I come to my sit uh, really because I love God and I want to trust God and I want to get myself out of the way. And I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what I need, um, even if even what I need as I get up from that sit for whatever has to be done after after that sit. So what, what I've noticed since I've been practicing centering prayer um, are, are kind of fruits that I've been graced with from the practice. So uh, I'm a much more confident person. I'm much more willing to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things, which is exactly what uh, it has done for me. I, I never dreamed of having a website. All the things I'm doing now were never on my radar screen. Having a website, jumping on podcasts and then talking um, to people about it, speaking in front of small and, and large groups. Uh, for example, just last Sunday, I was part of a two-day summit, was asked to speak on Sunday for an hour about a, a, to, you know how do you discover your true self through Centering Prayer, and 400 people listened. So that, that something like that was on my radar screen and, and, and writing the book and coaching. So it it nudges me out of my comfort zone to try and do new things, even if they scare the heck out of me. Um, An excitement for life. I think I'm just much more excited to live life and, and the present moment and what, what it has to offer. And then the last thing I'll say is I think it helps me be more present and just let go of what I don't need to and hone in and focus on what the, the present moment requires of me, whether it's a task or I need to do or just a listening ear for someone that just needs to talk and I just need to sit and let them have the space they need. So it's a, a lot of neat fruits for me. It, it really has changed me and, and, and healed me and transformed me and, and just made life um
3: fun to live (laughs) yeah i agree i have a um a quote that i that came to me a long time ago in my early or mid-20s i should say and uh it's actually i'm something i'm trademarking for my company for net for the network of awareness um and it's something that i just like i'm gonna say channeled you know it just came to me um it's when you live in the present, there's always an opportunity for a new beginning. And I want to talk about being present because it's something that's very important to, uh, for people to know is the importance of being present. And I think if people were to do that more, um, they would make better decisions for themselves by being in the present instead of being preoccupied with the future or the past like many people are. So can you talk about the importance of being present and what that means to you? Because, um, the reason why I asked is because, you know, as we're, we're here right now on this zoom call, obviously you're present with me. I'm present with you. And you had mentioned something that really caught my, my attention where you said, you know, being present to just listen. And I want to talk about that because I feel like a lot of us. In day-to-day society and our culture here, especially in the United States of America, is uh, we don't want to (laughs) listen. We just want to be entertained all the time. We want something that's going to distract us in a recreational type of way where critical thinking goes out the window and being present is not important. It's just really laughing or, or getting a kick out of something or having some temporary uh, sensation to fulfill whatever uh, temporary desire we have. (laughs) And being present to me, it's a great responsibility, but it's also could be a great power when when being practiced um, accordingly. So can you talk about the importance of presence and being present in your life?
4: Sure so I mean I think when you're present you're you're letting go and you're uh, allowing the present moment to, to be right in front of you and, and then you can react to it as you should so uh, many different ways like like today as I, obviously I'm, I'm I work from home and I've been working from home within the covid world for, for um, the last two years almost now but being present means I can look at uh, what things have to be done and what, 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 what do I let go of and what do I need to focus on today. I, I work in the, in the financial services field in the 401k space. So I can, it allows me to be present to what what today needs to get done for my clients and what can I let go of and is not important to them. And, and some of that I know from an email I'm reading or some of it I know because I'm on, on a phone call talking to them. So I need to be present so I know what do they need today. Not what do I think, but I'm hearing them, and then I'm reacting and, and making sure what that what they need today is is getting done. But the same thing can happen with whether it's my wife or my son or my daughter, if I'm being present for them and truly listening to them, then I'm I'm reacting and giving them what what they need from me in the present moment, and like my son who's he's 14 he still says it to this day when he was 6 he used to, he would just come up and say will you sit with me and that just meant he wanted me to sit with him and spend time with him but he didn't, sometimes we didn't need to do anything. We didn't need to talk. He just wanted me in the room, spending time with him. And even to this day, he'll come in and say, can you sit with me? And I'll just go sit in his room. He has a big enough bed and we'll sit together. Sometimes we don't even need to talk. We're just there doing our own things. So being present for him means I'm just there and he knows I'm there. Being present for my daughter is different. It means I'm listening to her because she needs to talk and she needs to know someone's listening to her. Being present for my wife sometimes at night is neither one of us needs to talk. We just have our coffee and we're watching our favorite next Netflix show and and laughing together. (laughs) So you learn being present sort of, you kind of learn what does the present moment require of me, you know, whether it's a task, and if it's a person, you know, what does that person require of me? And everybody's different and you got to be present to to figure out
3: what that is. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very well said. And I'm glad that you broke it down like that because I think people take it for granted, right? For the most part, I mean, most people don't understand the value of being present because they're, it's such a hustle and bustle type of lifestyle, especially here in America where it's like, Go go go, and sometimes you have to stay still, 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 in order to know where you want to go and where you want to be. Um, when it comes to uh, centering prayer, um, how how has it? You know, because you mentioned something about family. Uh, is it something that you teach your children?
4: Sure. So I, and as you say that, it's funny because when I first started practicing it, my my second sit was in the evening after dinner. So right now it's, it's before lunch. Um, But when I first was practicing centering prayer, my second sit was after dinner in the basement. So my son was six and my daughter was about 13. They wanted to know what am I doing in the basement every evening? So I invited them down. But of course, they each wanted their own one-on-one time. So I would take them down individually. They wanted to know what I was doing. So I told them I'm doing something called centering prayer because the first centering prayer sit, they weren't even awake for that that I was doing. So I I actually taught my son at the time who was six and we did a one minute together. Together. But he wanted to know, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing something called Centering Prayer, told him how I did it. And we actually would do a one minute sit together. And, and I made it fun for him where I would light a candle. And then we would say, uh, and I use an app, the, the Centering Prayer app from Contemplative Outreach is, is on my iPhone. And, and we would read a single sentence from a statement from the app. And it said, I open my heart to your love. We'd read that together. We would do a one minute Centering Prayer sit and then I would let him blow out the candle, and then um, and then we would just spend some time talking. And then my daughter wanted to understand centering prayer. What am I doing? So I brought her down, taught it to her. She she was afraid she'd fall asleep, so she would keep her eyes open. And I told her just to kind of stare at a spot six feet ahead or so on the floor. And we together would do a couple minutes centering prayer, sit, and and I built it up to in her case ten and twelve minutes. And I would kind of play games with her. Like I would say, how long do you want to sit? She'd say six minutes. And she didn't know I would set the timer for eight minutes. And she'd actually go a couple more minutes than, than she realized. Um, but yes, they both wanted to know what I was doing. They were curious. And then they started doing from time to time. Centering prayer sits with me uh,
3: one-on-one. And then we'd spend some time together afterwards. So when it comes to centering prayer, Something I talk a lot about on the NOA is um, the, the closer you get to understanding yourself or the more you get to understand yourself, the closer you get to that higher power, the closer you get to your creator um, and understanding who your creator is within yourself. Um, there's something that I read on your bio where it says silence teaches us who we are. And I want to get your, um, I, I, I want to get an understanding of that from your, from, from, from your, you know, journey of your life of what that actually means to you. How, how has silence taught you who you are? Sure. Or so I guess you who the- you are. Sorry. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, the practice really, it's
4: a continuous letting go. So I'm letting go of who I am not. So as, as I'm practicing Centering Prayer and this letting go posture comes with you into your everyday life. So I'm letting go of thoughts and emotions. So like actually during Centering Prayer, a lot of things can happen really almost with any forms of meditation like Centering Prayer. As you're sitting there... Tension. First of all, tension in your body is being released without you realizing it. Every time you're sitting in silent meditation, day after day, you know, month after month, year after year, really the tension in your, that we're holding in our body is released. So that's, that's true freedom, first of all, that we don't have to live with anymore. Um, we're also releasing uh, thoughts and emotions as part of Centering Prayer, which include all kinds of you know, fear, anxiety, worry, things we tell ourselves that are really just not even true. But we're also, you end up releasing repressed emotions that they start coming, bubbling up to the surface, things we didn't even know were bothering us start bubbling up and, and, and coming out. So you're letting go of all of this tension and stress and, and emotions and thoughts. And then really what's left is... is you and God, you and your higher power, and, and your true self, and and what you you should do. So you learn to kind of let go of who you are. At least, it just kind of happens. You, you end up letting go of who you are not, and and feel safe and comfortable to live from who, who you really are. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, it, it just it's almost hard to explain, but that's what has happened to me. And I think other people will probably say the same thing. And, and it sounds like you might even say the same thing. It just, it just happens.
3: Yeah. It's all the same. Cause I, I have a, uh, I even have a song coming out and um, I'm going to do um, another song with the title called uh, get out your own way and allow Yahweh. And I, I, I think that's exactly what you've explained is getting out of your own way, getting out of your, um, Your preconceived notion of who you think you are based on so many different distracting things, especially when people um, have influence on your life. A lot of times we get caught up in what other people think about us. And the most successful people in life are those that really don't care about what other people think about them. And something my friend who's a life coach tells me, he goes, um, he says, it's not a you problem, it's a them problem. So don't get caught up in what they feel about you because if you're not doing anything to hurt them or to take advantage of them, then there's nothing that you should be caring about in regards of how they think about you. And I know you've heard the term hater. Right. No, I mean, right. You've heard that that term, the haters, (laughs) like that we all have them, right? Uh, right, right, exactly. I, I think that what you're, what you broke down, and you did it very well. You broke it down where it's like you, you have to let go of that tension that gets built up. That tension can be built up emotionally, physically, psychologically, and even spiritually. And if you can just release all that and not let it hinder you, or or become like a, a weight that you carry on your shoulders, then. You you go about your life more freely, which in turn, what we were talking about earlier, allows you to be in that present moment a lot more freer without having tension in the present moment. It's something that I'm trying to practice more and more as I get older, because ever since I hit my 40s and now my mid 40s, I'm really starting to get wiser in having that understanding of not caring so much about things that really don't matter cuz I did a lot of that in my early life. So, um with that being said, um what what would you say to the listeners about centering prayer and also before you even go into that, let's talk about um your book. How how long of a read is your book? Um it's I think it's about 280 pages, but okay. but
4: it's easy to read, and then yeah, people and right I and I wrote me. it I wrote it that way on purpose. So and what I mean by that is so each chapter is short, and then um, in, in the chapters you you know you'll see a heading, and then you kind of know what to expect over the next page or so. And then it ends, and, and, and then there's another heading, and you know what to expect. And then there's, at, at the end of the chapter, there's questions for reflection and discussion. So the chapters actually are short, so easy to read. And you can read, some people read like to read in chunks. So maybe they'll read one or two headings at a time, or maybe they'll just read a full chapter. So it was written in, in an easy-to-read manner, Um one, I guess it's written, um, you know, as a, what is centering prayer, but it also shares a lot of how it has healed and tr- transformed me and can do the same for you. So it's just written in a way to connect with people and share my personal journey and, and see uh, in case it can help them. So it's an easy, quick read. Many people said that it was, a, it was, it was a quick and easy read and they, and they appreciated the short chapters. They appreciated kind of the, short sections within each chapter. And they liked the questions for reflection because it helped them sort of look back and think about, think about the chapter before they moved on to the next
3: one. And uh, for all the listeners that are going to be downloading this episode in the description box, you're going to see um, a link that's going to say silence teaches.com forward slash about the books, forward slash. And that is going to be where you can get uh, Rich's book as well as, you know, learn more about him. And as far as like the, this journey that you've been on with Centering Prayer, can you talk a little bit about how has it fulfilled you in, uh, uh, in understanding your purpose in life? Can you talk about how this journey and how you're fulfilling what you believe your purpose is to be and how sending prayer has support that, that understanding? Sure. And, and I guess I kind of end it with a quote, but it's, I think, you know,
4: centering prayer has really healed and transformed me that I think one of my main purposes is really just to share it with as many people as possible in case it can help them. I mean, I recognize there's many different called contemplative practices and But I, I simply want to share it in case it's a practice that resonates with people and it's something that they can then do for themselves and experience kind of the healing and transforming and living from their true self that I have. So really, I guess my, my main purpose really is just to share it in case it can help others. And I'm sharing it through my book. I'm sharing it through getting on podcasts. I'm sharing it through. Uh, I do a lot of guest speaking. Um, I'm sharing it through my one-on-one coaching. So, that, I guess really my main purpose is just to share it and get the word out and help is, and let as many people know this type of practice exists that can help them. And then I'm also, I think, I'm helping people that are already practicing, but really maybe aren't, maybe are just skimming the surface of centering prayer. And what I mean by that is maybe they're only practicing once a day and and I'm introducing the idea of a second sit and how powerful the second sit can be. And it it can help you finish the second half of your day as powerfully as the first half of the day. And, And I'm also helping them with the idea of, you know, you're really living from your true self, with centering prayer. So I I, I think I help people that are skimming the surface of centering prayer and I help them add a depth to to their centering prayer where they understand the power of it and then understand how it really
3: connects them to their true self. And um, when it comes to centering prayer, actually when it comes to your coaching, what type of coaching do you uh, specialize in? Sure. Um,
4: Yeah, and it's funny because I've had... Three different types of people. I've coached three different people. As as I look back at all the different people that I've coached, they almost fall into three categories, or not almost, they do. They fall into three categories. People that are brand new and and say, "I, I need someone to hold me accountable. I don't think I can do this on my own. I want someone to help me get up and running and establish a long term practice. So that's one category of people. The second category is, is, are people that are practicing, but they know they're skimming the surface and, and, and they probably need help with adding a second sit and they want to discover their true self and talk more about that and how do they make sure they're living from that person. And then I, then the third type of person that I have coached are pastors, uh, ministers and and people in clergy that are, you know, servicing congregations, servicing people. And, but they're telling me I'm doing a terrible job of my self-care and I need you to help me start a practice. So, so I, so I can take better self-care so that I can take better care of my congregation people I'm serving or I'm going to burn out and I'm not going to be any good for anybody. So, um, I actually I like helping all three, so it's 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 interesting how that has happened. I, I, I'll, I'll coach all three types, but I've noticed as I look back, they, they seem to have fallen into
3: one of those three categories. And um, do do you always integrate um, silent prayer in your coaching, or is that just something that if the client wants to learn more about it, you introduce it to them?
4: Yeah, so I guess my coaching—we don't do centering prayer during the coaching. Um, maybe that's not a bit, maybe we should, and that wouldn't be a bad idea, but no, I guess we mostly talk about for the people that are new to it, know how you do it. And and I answer their questions and help them establish a practice. But I actually, I can't say I've, or I haven't actually, we, we haven't incorporated centering prayer practice together as as part of of the coaching, but we obviously I share with them how to do it and answer their questions and continue to kind of in in the in-between sessions offer email support and help as well. And
3: what got you into uh, life coaching?
4: You know, it was, I'm trying to think how did that happen? Because, you know, as I said, the book was Amos Smith. And then I remember the idea of teaching it in the community with, with someone at, at my, at, I mentioned earlier, I was at the United Church of Christ, year, you know, years ago. And, and a friend, uh, she actually was, uh, she became a, an ordained pastor and she had moved to a different United Church of Christ. She asked me to come there and teach. And, and I thought, well, I guess I'm sure I could teach them how to do it. And then I, I put together kind of a 90-minute teaching session. And then I realized, you know what, now I can probably just I can replicate this. So that she was the one that I'll blame, it, I'll say it was her fault, but it was a good thing. It was it was like now I can teach it too. And I have I have a a, a PowerPoint and a lesson that I've put together that I can grow and evolve. Um, the coaching you know, I just decided to take a chance. I like with my day job, I, I work with primarily one on one with with um my financial service clients. So I, I'm used to working one on one and talking one on one with people. And I thought, you know what? I probably could work with people one on one in centering prayer. It's just something I do during my day job. So I translate the same skill set into one on one coaching. So I took a chance and just added a one on one coaching tab to my um, website. And lo and behold, some, someone reached out to me. And then I, I began coaching. Um, so it just sort of was, it just kind of evolved. It was like, I know how to do this during my, with my day job. And I really just need to translate the same skills to one-on-one coaching to, to a practice that obviously I'm very
3: familiar with and know I can help people with. Interesting. So, so people, this is, um, this is an episode where we dig deep into understanding oneself and I think Rich Lewis gave a lot of great um, methods, uh, a lot of great insight and, and perceptions on how to really help you grow from the inside, you know, and, and that's where it all starts. And I hope that um, you got a great understanding of what Centering Prayer is all about. Now, Rich, before we end the uh, the segment, um, Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with on something that you feel like is really important for people to know in today's times that we're in? Because something I talk a lot about is the pandemic, is the, the deaths, and just all these things that we are experiencing in. And uh, uh, it's interesting how in the scriptures in the book of Revelations, it seems like a lot of of, of or not a lot, damn near, everything that is happening around the world and especially in this country where there's just so much turmoil and there's so much um, anxiety that people feel these days with the whole um, pandemic. Is there anything that you can say on how Centering Prayer has helped you um, with dealing with some of these things that people are being overwhelmed in dealing with when it comes to the pandemic.
4: Sure, I mean, centering prayer
3: is, is a practice that was very
4: much needed during <laughs> during the pandemic, whether it was at the beginning of it and even now. I mean, we're we're not we're we're it, we're facing it in, in in a different manner. It's it's, it's we're still in it and <laughs> thick in it. So the neat thing about s- silent prayer is you know the letting go. You learn to it helps you let go. Um, of what you can't control. And then you can hone in and focus on what you can, which re- which is what is so important you know, in everyday life, but even particularly in, in a pandemic is what do I need to let go of and then what uh, that I can't control? And then what should I hone in and focus on? What's the best action I need to take right now, whether if, in life in general, whether it's for your personal life or your career life or your family life or your personal health or your financial health, but even you know, reflecting upon the pandemic, what, what is the best action I need to take right now because of the world I'm living in? So the silence of Centering Prayer lets you take a silent pause and let go of anxiety and, and worry and repressed thoughts and emotions. And then you can take the right actions um, that, that you need to take based upon the present moment. And, and, and the present moment is obviously the, includes the pandemic that we're living in.
3: So you heard it, folks, you heard it from Rich Lewis, you know, take that time out to um, to be with yourself in silence and really start to let go of all of the anxiety, all of the pressures that we experience in our daily lives here in this world that we live in and really start to understand that. You are a spiritual being having a physical experience. And even this experience that we call life is temporary. So it's not good to get so attached to something that's not going to last forever. Just appreciate it for what it is and be in the present moment. So is there any last comments? Because what I'm going to do, Rich, is I'm going to play two songs. And then I'm going to end the broadcast or not the broadcast, but the show, because I keep I'm so used to doing live shows, these pre-records, I'm getting used to now. Um, but is there any last statement that you would like to make? And I, I also want to say that I really appreciate this interview because I learned a lot. I believe you brought a lot of great substance to this um, to this show. So is there any last comments that you would like to make to the audience around the world?
4: Sure. I would just encourage people to, to try a silent sit. So I, w- I would encourage people make it the first thing you do, do a silent centering prayer sit for one to five minutes before you start your day and just try it for 30 days and see, see what happens. So that would be my challenge is try a daily dose of silence, but make it the first thing you do before you begin your day and then get up from your silent sits and, and let, let, and live from that, that place and try
3: it for 30 days and see what happens okay great well thank you very much Rich for coming on to the show uh, I'm gonna have your uh, your link in the description box for people to uh, to follow up on and I want to thank you for taking the time out to spend with me on this uh wonderful uh, Monday evening on what is it January 24th and time is flying by uh, especially when you live in the present right time just moves by so fast. <laughs> So no. oh, go ahead, sir. What did you want to say? Oh, I was,
4: no, I was going to simply say, thanks for having me on. I hope this was uh, helpful for your community. Go,
3: go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. It it really, it really was. I, it was, you know, it's anything that has to deal with spirituality. I think it's very important in these days and times right now, just because when it comes to man, everything is so uncertain <laughs> and, and things are becoming somewhat predictable and also unpredictable. So, if we could just connect to our higher selves, we can we can't go wrong with that, you know that that's pretty much solid, solid foundation, right? With the with connecting to the higher self. So, thank you, Rich Lewis. This was uh, this was a great episode uh, on the Network of Awareness with Rich Lewis. So, what we're going to do now, folks, is um, we are going to uh, play two songs here. We're going to play "Beyond Imagination." And then we're also going to play Higher Learning from uh, Brother Marquise and take one. So this is Aura from the Network of Awareness. And I just want to say peace, love, and light. And also when you live in the present, there's always an opportunity for a new beginning. And don't look for the light at the end of the tunnel because the light is within you and always will be. So light up the tunnel and find your way through the darkness. Peace. When the light has faded and
5: darkness is abroad. The light is only dim because the darkness teaches us lessons that need to be learned in order for one to move forward. Embrace the darkness, for the darkness is your friend. So there is no end, it's only an illusion to what has been. Follow the light and let the spirit embark on a flight to a destination unknown, but to a place where love is the building blocks that call this place home. We are always accompanied on this journey, but still feel alone. It is never the same journey or experience that is ever shown. It is your imagination that awakens a passion that will weather the storm, because it is a pure compassion in the soul that is vigorous and strong with eternity so let's be connected to the positive dream that allows us to fulfill our infinite destiny most definitely. let's try to be the best people we can be with a power that is humanly new to see so mistaken this may can lead us astray so let us stay for it is our free will that allows us to make a choice so
3: I choose Yahweh with no delay
5: no delay
1: like got my mind right it took me time and time to took me time to put it you know you're not learning nothing when you're second guessing because it, cause it all, lies. all lies they put us in school for 12 years plus got the nerd to give us a paper certificate i've been watching quite some time finally that i see what's going on every time that i lay down yeah i feel i feel I start out my morning round about uh, 6
3: o'clock. You uh, like I got a choice. It's just that. Uh, it's rough.
1: Drop in the world, yeah. when they don't want you.
2: 6am, waking up to get to class, now it be 5am, I'm rising up to hit them laps, school never taught me to be this disciplined with myself, all praise to Yahweh, been Yahweh helping me with my health, the spirit keeps me up even though we all packed in the jungle, the least be lying, they want you mentally trapped in a bubble, you see them smile on TV, always acting like they love you, don't want to see you rise up, they want to see you ash and up, I keep my acts in humbleness and hopes that the Lord will favor me even more Cause he's the one that has my number He's, he's been my guide, he's made me wise, wise. He's, he's all so I know hard. until the end I'm gonna grind Looking up to the sky Trying to stay righteous with the storm on my side The crown of life is my wife I'm asking Father please help me to the light Trapped in a world, yeah. right
0: This concludes the Network of Awareness podcast. For more information on the Network of Awareness, please subscribe via email to our website, networkofawareness.com, and follow us on Spreaker.com or any other listening apps you use. For any questions about the NOA, email us at aura at networkofawareness.com. Thank you for listening to one of the fastest growing podcast shows on society and culture in America and abroad. When you live in the present, there's always an opportunity for a new beginning.
1: Peace and blessings.